Hey there, thanks for listening to Live in the Abundant Life. I'm Jenny Schmidt, and it's my prayer that together we become more fully alive, alive to the abundant life of Christ in us. Hey, y'all, welcome to Living the Abundant Life with Jenny Schmidt. I'm so excited to have my senior pastor, Greg Haswell from Northlands Church, joining us today, talking to us a bit about hearing God's voice and how that conversation with the Lord, an ongoing, a lifestyle of conversation with the Lord, hearing Him, talking with Him, is really key to experiencing the fullness that we hear about in John 10 10, that full life, that abundant life, to seek that and not experience the voice of the Lord regularly is just inconsistent. And so I really wanted Greg to come and just kind of bring some light on what we can expect when it comes to hearing from God. So Greg, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Jenny, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited about your podcasts. Congratulations. They're bringing life and it's just an honor to be here. Thank you, Greg. So can we just start from the beginning? You know, under the new covenant in the New Testament, we hear about that we are in Christ. All the scriptures are about being in Christ. And in the old covenant, it talks about being under the law. Can you shed a little light about why being in Christ is so important to this conversation with the Lord? Oh, yeah. I think that um, under an old covenant uh, for the Jewish uh, nation, because the, the, the Lord had taken a Jewish nation out of Egypt and he had given them the law. And the Jews believed that, uh, in fact, the scripture had said, and God had told them, uh, the reason I'm giving you the law is because I want to make a nation out of you. And to no other nation have I given these laws. And uh, so it formed, a, in the Jewish mind, a part of their national heritage. It was who they were. So the Torah, the first five books, the law that Moses gave, was extremely important. So Jews lived by the law. They were led by the law. They walked in the law. But uh, Jeremiah 31 says, God said, I'm tired of that old covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant. And it's not going to be anything like that old covenant. That old covenant required people to obey the law, to be saturated in the law, to think law, and wherever they fell short, to make sacrifices. And that was an ongoing, continuous process. But the new covenant uh, calls us to be free from that law, and it takes us away from the principles and, and invites us to follow a person. And that's the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the third member of the Godhead. He's exactly the same as the Father and the Son. And he is the person of the God who has been given to the church right now to lead us and guide us into all truth. So this uh, process of learning um, just to turn to the Holy Spirit and to learn to walk by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit is the privilege of Christians in these days. And Jesus said, it's better for you that I go, because if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit comes and he produces a beautiful life. Everything Jesus died to purchase and was raised again, he's seated in the right hand of the Father in heaven. Everything that Jesus accomplished, uh, he said, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all of that, that the Holy Spirit helps us walk into all the inheritance that is ours in Christ. Jesus went out and purchased for us an inheritance. Uh, An inheritance is not something that we work for. It's something that somebody else worked for and then gave it to us in their will. Mm, that's good. So when Jesus died, the scripture says in Hebrews, 
it's necessary uh, for somebody to have been proven to have died before a will can be put into effect. And so all the promises of God, all the dreams of God, all the promises of salvation and inheritance uh, were all put into effect when Jesus' blood was shed. And so now the Holy Spirit comes to teach Christians to walk into all the fullness of what Jesus died to purchase for us. No wonder Jesus said in John 10, I've come so that you can have life and you can have it abundantly. That is a, you will have a surplus, an overflow is really what Jesus was saying. A a rich, abundant life. So the Holy Spirit has come to lead us and to guide us and to walk us into all of that inheritance. So, uh, Many, many Christians who are devout want to follow a set of principles, and that's, you know, that's healthy and good, but that's not entirely what God has called us to. He's called us to follow the Holy Spirit, who will lead us and guide us and be our, our source of authority. He'll be the, the member of the Godhead who keeps us focused on what God wants. That's so good. That's so helpful to just understand the role of the Holy Spirit. I feel like a lot of my Christian life, I mean, I knew when I got saved, the Holy Spirit was inside of me, but that's really about all I understood. Um, So to understand that the Holy Spirit is leading us, guiding us, teaching us what this inheritance involves, unlocking it for us, teaching us how to walk in the fullness of Christ. That's so helpful, Greg. Um, You know, you talked about how, you know, this is a relationship now. Relationships transform us. Rules are transactions. They don't actually change us. They just modify behavior. And But relationships can transform us. Um, and so how, how does understanding the role of the Holy Spirit, um, interacting with Him, how does that begin to transform us? How does that communication, that relationship start to change us from the inside out? Yeah, and I think uh, it's a great question. I think we have to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit and we have to learn, uh, we have to start to relate to him as a person. Uh, He is given personhood in the scriptures and as we relate to him, um, he begins a relationship with us and he, uh, it's not a one size fits all kind of relationship. It's an individual relationship that he and, and all of us can start to engage in and he begins to lead us and uh, he he speaks in many many different ways, um, but if we open our hearts in, into this reality and our expectation, uh, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to learn about what that means, and so this abundant life that Jesus said uh, he, he promised that we could live in that. But he also warned his disciples, "I don't want you to go out preaching throughout the world. I want you to wait." until you've been endued with power from the Holy Spirit. Um, So the Bible talks about a number of things that the Holy Spirit will do. It says he will testify. Uh, The Holy Spirit testifies about who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit testifies about our position in Christ. The the scripture says the Holy Spirit will testify deep within us that we are the children of God. So he speaks to our identity. He speaks to Jesus' worth. He speaks to our inheritance. He's constantly whispering deep within us. Mm. And, and it's one of the reasons why you find many, many Christians have this deep inner sense that there's so much more in God for me. Yeah, That's an almost universal reality because the Holy Spirit is constantly testifying. And so the, the weird thing is that many of us live in a, in a life um, and there's this constant whisper in our spirit, there's so much more for you. And uh, because that's the voice of the Holy Spirit and because he's so kind 
that if I think he, he looks at our lives and goes, there's so much more I want to take you into. So there's almost this, this constant whisper, you know what, there's more for you. And I could, I could show you. So I, I love this, um, this learning to respond to the Holy Spirit's voice in it. And it's like any relationship. The more time we invest in it, uh, the more we're going to find out. And sometimes uh, there's going to be, it's going to be beautiful and rich and sweet. And sometimes we're going to make mistakes. And, but he's an immensely kind father. He's going to draw us gently with cords of love. He's going to whisper to us because his job is to make manifest the beautiful reconciliation of Jesus, that we have been reconciled to God. And so even in our weakness, even in our, in our worst moments, he works together with us to make manifest the, the atonement of Jesus Christ and the reconciliation that we have with the Father. So there's this uh, amazingly beautiful relationship that starts to develop um, that brings profound effect into our lives. And he's just um, the kindest person I've ever met. So... Uh, that's so interesting the way you talk about him. I, I, I think a lot of my Christian life, I felt that whisper of there's more, but I think I interpret it like there's more wrong with me. Like there's more we need to fix in you, Jenny. Like there's a lot more work to be done. And so it's almost like I had this, uh, this wrong expectation of what Holy Spirit would be whispering and talking to me about. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, th I think there's a, in communication theory, there's a concept called expectancy bias. And if you're expecting God to be angry and vengeful and rebuke you and um, tell you about all your, the sins in your life, uh, I find that most New Testament believers are going to find it difficult to hear from God because that's simply not what he's talking about. Mm. What is he talking about? What is, what can we expect that he's saying to us? You know, the Holy Spirit, uh, knows what he has accomplished in believers' lives. This, this means the Bible teaches that when we came to Christ, uh, we were born from above or born by the Spirit. So when we, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our spirits and gives us life. We who were dead are now translated into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. We become brand new, alive beings and spiritually alive. Then the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Corinthians 11, takes us and he baptizes us into the body of Christ. He submerges us into the body of Christ. He makes us part of Jesus' body. And then the scripture says he is a seal for us. So he seals us inside the body of Christ. From that moment onwards, we are in Christ. We're not separated from Christ. We are hidden in Christ. As Colossians 2 says, you are now hidden with Christ in God. Right. So the Holy Spirit from that time onwards only ever speaks to us in accordance with the truth of our lives. He never separates us from Jesus and the finished work of Jesus. So let's take, for example, 1 John 2, 2 says, um, he is, he currently exists talking about Jesus as our sacrifice of atonement. Um, he eternally exists as the sacrifice of atonement that God accepted completely. All of the wrath of God against all of our sin was absorbed in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And at the end of paying for all the sin of all mankind for all time, Jesus was still alive. The sacrifice was still greater than the sin. And that the Jesus made complete atonement for every one of our sins. And now the Bible says he is. Currently he exists as our sacrifice of atonement. And the truth is you and I are in him. Mm. 
So the Holy Spirit never speaks to us as though we're outside of Christ. He never speaks to us as though uh, atonement hasn't already been made for us. Wow. Never speaks That's to a us huge shift. About, it's a massive shift because <laughs> under the old covenant, again, we come back to this old covenant, new covenant concept. Under the old covenant, what the law, uh, the Bible says in Galatians, what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the sinful nature of the flesh of man, God did by sending his son. The, that the, the Old Testament law was a set of external rules that required people to obey, but people who were sold as slaves to sin could not obey them. And so that's what Romans says. There's no one who could obey the law, not even one. Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, except for Jesus the Christ, because Jesus came and lived a perfectly sinless life and then died in our place as a substitution for our sins. He took the wrath and the punishment the anger of God against all of our sin, and he reconciled us. He paid the price to redeem us back to God. Now, that sacrifice becomes the focus. In the Old Testament, our weaknesses, our falling short was the focus. Right. New Testament, it's not our weaknesses and our shortfall that is the focus. It's the power and the beauty of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the efficacy, the strength, the majesty and the love on display at the cross that should be our focus. Mm. So that's why Paul says many, many times in the New Testament, it is not by works so that no one can boast. If, if uh, under the Old Testament, if you thought you were doing really well, you'd kept most of the commandments, you started to boast like you had earned a righteousness. But right. again, again, in the New Testament, Paul says there, there is no measurement for boasting and he says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle of that of obeying the law? No, it's excluded on the basis of faith. Because the moment I just believe and trust God, trust in the finished work of Jesus, I enter into a rest, the Bible says. I cease from my own works of trying to justify myself before God. And I find that I'm justified by the finished work of Jesus Christ. When I believe that, I enter a rest and this is the profound difference of the New Testament. So the Holy Spirit, he's, he's never talking to me about how ugly I am, how, uh, what a sinner I am. He's always testifying to believers about the finished work of Jesus, how complete that was, who I am in Christ. He's always speaking to my identity. So one of the things that I discovered is that the enemy loves to, to bring back to my memory the absolute worst moments of my life, the most shameful acts I ever committed, the, the most yeah. foolish that I ever was. He loves to bring those back and, and represent them to me as that's who you are. But the Holy Spirit loves to bring to me the beautiful finished work of God, and he speaks to me about who I am in Christ. So he talks to me like I'm holy. He talks to me like I'm loved. He talks to me like I'm cherished. And so when you have an expectancy bias of that, that the Holy Spirit's going to rebuke you and be harsh with you and be angry with you, and you open your ears to hear that, you're not going to hear anything. And you're going to say, God's not speaking to me. Well, he's not speaking that to you, that's for sure. Um, because the Holy Spirit never will violate the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's never going to go against the word of God. Uh, he's never going to go against the finished work of the cross. He's only ever going to support the finished work of Jesus, the majesty of who Jesus is, the beauty of our redemption in Christ 
That's the tone. So inevitably, the Holy Spirit is speaking about how much he loves us, how complete the work was, all his dreams that he has for us in Christ, all the promises that Jesus has laid out for us that are still to come. That's the tenure and the tone of the Holy Spirit. And you'll find that that's why when, when Paul is encouraging people to prophesy in Corinthians 14, he says this manifestation gift of prophecy is only for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's not judgment and rebuke and pointing out people's sins. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort. Why? Because that's the tone of the Holy Spirit's voice these days. It's incredible. It's incredible how grace is this equalizer um, among all of the body of Christ. So like no, no longer is works, you know, like you were saying, having something to, to boast about or say, hey, I earned this much um, ability to hear from God, you know, because I acted this righteously or did these things, read my Bible every day, I've earned this ability, this privilege of hearing from God. Under grace, we're all given this access, this unhindered access. Yeah. And, you know, what you're saying is that we're only ever hearing good things. I think you've said it before in, at church, you know, that, that God, the Holy Spirit is calling us up into our true identity, not calling us out. Um, yeah. And that's crazy because we still, we still mess up though. Like we still s- stumble. We still say the wrong thing or, or um, act the wrong way at times as believers, as new creations. And yet in those instances, what you're saying here is that Holy Spirit is calling us up into an identity, constantly speaking to the righteousness of Christ in us, as opposed to the stumble that we've just experienced. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's changed my walk with God for sure to switch that expectation. Absolutely. I think uh, for me, the biggest issue is under an old covenant, uh, you had this concept of um, if you, uh, if atonement was made on the day of atonement for the nation of Israel, uh, really what the Lord was saying is I have made atonement for all the sins of the whole nation for one more year. Right. And um, so for another year, the, the Israel could be the people of God until the high priest made atonement for them again. Um, and uh, if we bring that over into the New Testament, so, so let's talk about Old Testament, uh, your atonement was temporary. And so if you went out and you fell short, um, you had to bring a sacrifice to make up for the shortfall that you had created. Right. And so there was this constant, never-ending procession of sacrifices, is what Hebrews says. But uh, four times, in the, five times actually in the book of Hebrews, the, uh, the writer to the Hebrews uses this phrase once for all, that Jesus came and he paid for all the sins for all mankind for all time once for all. And, and it mentions four things. It says he, he, he came as a perfect high priest. He wasn't a, a high priest like men. He was appointed by God. He was perfect. He didn't have to make sacrifice for his own sins. He was the perfect high priest. And the second time it uses the phrase he only paid once and for all was when it talks about him going into the perfect tabernacle, not the tabernacle that was built by men on the earth, but the actual tabernacle, the real uh, temple of God in heaven. So the perfect high priest went into the perfect tabernacle. And the third time he uses the phrase he's talking about the, the, the perfect sacrifices, not, not the bulls and goats sacrifices, but the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God, the, the only member of the Godhead who before time began was designated to be the Lamb of God. Because the scripture says for, he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Paul said, this grace was given to me before time began. 
that Jesus was appointed by God the Father before time began to be the, the Lamb of God, to be the only uh, high priest that God would accept and his ministry that he would accept. And so um, you have this idea that uh, the perfect priest went into the perfect tabernacle with a perfect sacrifice. And then again, Hebrews uses this concept of once and for all when it talks about the perfect blood. Not, not the blood of animals, but the blood of the, the only begotten Son of God, as, as, as Peter calls it, the precious blood of the Lamb. And yeah. so the perfect priest went into the perfect tabernacle with a perfect sacrifice and a perfect blood to make a perfect atonement. And um, because it was perfect in every aspect, God the Father accepted that atonement completely and had him sit down because all other high priests were never allowed to sit down. But when this high priest had paid once and for all, for all time, he sat down designating that his work was complete. And if you understand that, you know, under the old covenant, they would say things like, uh, uh, Lord David wrote in Psalm 51 after he'd sinned, Lord, please take, don't take your Holy Spirit from me because there was a fading glory. There were moments where God would interact with men and they would experience his glory, but that glory was fading because man's sin got in the way. And so Isaiah 59 says, uh, my arm is not weak and my ear is not dull, but your iniquities have made a separation between us, says the Lord. So under an old covenant, uh, sin was never dealt with, and so it was always a problem. But when, when you come into the new covenant and you understand that sin has been completely broken and dealt with by Jesus Christ, and that those who believe in Jesus are in him, now uh, we, we who used to uh, worry that God will come and go, now we, we're invited into this place where the Holy Spirit comes into our lives because we've believed in Jesus and the blood of Jesus has made us clean and holy, that the Holy Spirit comes and he does not come and go. He abides. He stays with us. This means that even in my most foolish moments, he is faithful to say, son, let's not, don't do that. That's not right. You, you, you're badly misrepresenting who you are, son. So there's it's, a place for correction, you're saying. Oh, absolutely. He walks, yeah. he, he walks with us and says, you know, don't do that. Um, yeah. But here's the beauty of, of how it is with the Holy Spirit. Um, it, Proverbs talks about life-giving rebuke, but, but this is how he does it with me. Um, he'll whisper to me, he'll take me back to a moment. I know exactly what he's talking about. He's never vague. It's not this dark sense of foreboding and anger and gloom. It's a very clear whisper from him, always full of grace. He's called the spirit of grace. And so he says, son, remember that? And I know exactly what he's talking about. And I know exactly what he means because he gives you understanding in that moment, the illumination of exactly what happened. And he says, that's not, let's not do that again. And along with that, there comes a gift of what is called godly sorrow. It's kind of part, it's built into his communication. And instantly in your spirit, you go, oh, Lord, I don't want to be that guy. Help me. Let's, can you teach me how to not, not repeat that? And there's an, there's an instant uh, communion with him. So not for a second, even in my most foolish moments, now because I am in Christ, not for a second does the Holy Spirit withdraw from me. Mm. He walks with me. He never leaves me or forsakes me. This is one of the, the greatest promises, the most definitive statement in the New Testament in the Greek. I will not, I will not assuredly not ever leave you or forsake you. 
That's the promise of Jesus. And so the Spirit of God keeps that promise, and he stays with us, even in our most foolish moments. Now, uh, we, we, he's going to walk with us. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna counsel us. He's going to comfort us. He's going to guide us. But not for a single second is he going to remove himself from us, not because we are perfect, but because the blood of Jesus, which has been applied to our life, is perfect. And that blood allows the Holy Spirit to remain and abide with us the whole time. So again, our faith is not in our own works. Our faith is in the finished work of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't press in to do good works because the scripture says we should be rich in good works. So one of the things the Holy Spirit can teach us how to do is to walk well and to, and to avoid sin and to say no to ungodliness and to live up, upright and self-controlled and godly lives in this current age. So listening, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning to follow his voice, there is a new engine room, as it were, for believers, where it used to be there's a set of external rules and I have to try my hardest to try and obey them. Now the Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of me, to empower me, to indwell me, so that I can walk well in all that he asks me to do. It's no longer just an external law, but now an internal law written on my heart. And the power that he brings with him enables me, motivates me, stirs me to want to do the very thing that God wants me to do. Yeah. That's when Philippians, Paul said, we are God's handiwork. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And then Paul says elsewhere, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit is in you, stirring in you desires in line with what he has for you. Yeah. Uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an extremely beautiful thing um, that the Holy Spirit has come to do. He is our internal empowering person. He walks with us. He comforts us, counsels us, guides us, testifies to us. He, he's a constant help. Uh, as we walk through this world. And it's, uh, it's just beautiful. It is, Craig. You know, it's it's incredible that we have to go back to the cross. We have to go back to what Jesus accomplished to fully understand what's available to us on the other side. You know, to, to, to think that we can have this conversation with the Lord constantly in and out of the good days and the bad days when we're, when we're our best and when we're at our worst, it's impossible to, to wrap our heads around that if we don't understand that the fullness of what Jesus did, that there's no sin can never again separate us from the father. He paved that way. And, yeah. you know, I spent many years personally in my life where I was walking closely with the Lord and then one sin began a snowball. And, and so yeah. the sin that I saw in my life and that I engaged in, I had, I thought I had no right. I wasn't qualified to talk to God because, yeah. and I knew all I would hear was judgment. And, and my theology was just really skewed, but it kept me, it kept me distant from a God who was wanting to and trying to speak to me for five or six years. And it's so unfortunate that we, we uh, um, it's like this, this perversion of truth keeps us from hearing a God who is constantly talking, who is constantly near, who is constantly for us. So Absolutely. I appreciate that clarity that you bring. 
So yep. if, if this is, if this is what we can expect, that there is no separation, God always wants to talk to us and he always wants to talk to us through the lens of being in Christ. So speaking yeah. to our identity, speaking to truth, what does he sound like? Because for me, like I've kind of always envisioned like Morgan Freeman in the clouds, like a booming voice. That's like God yeah. speaking and like having one or two of those in my lifetime. But that's, that's not always how it sounds. Can you tell us like, what does it sound like when Holy Spirit talks to us? Yeah, I think um, just like anybody else in your relationship with anybody else, there are going to be moments of, of sweet, tender intimacy. There's going to be moments of uh, discussion. Uh, there, there are going to be moments when you raise your voice, and he, he does all of those. Um, he he uh, is going to communicate, for the most part, uh, very gently and tenderly to people. And uh, here's the truth about him. He will communicate in whatever way we have an expectation. If we have a, an expectancy bias that he speaks through scripture, he'll speak to us through scripture. If we believe he'll speak through um, the body of Christ, he'll use them. If, if we believe that he can use any, anything nature, he'll speak through natural resources. Yeah. Because fundamentally, the Holy Spirit wants to come into our lives and he uses the furnishings of our minds. In other words, he knows what experiences you've had. He knows what books you've read. He knows what sermons you've heard. He knows what movies you've watched. Or He knows uh, the content of the library of everything that is part of your life world. And so what he does typically is he takes it, he wants to start building a tapestry. He'll take a little piece of that, a little phrase from there, and put it together in a unique way that, that means something to you. And so if you understand that he's going to use the furnishing of your mind, uh, he's going to use your life world. And so many, many times when I've seen people, when they're trying to explain what, how God spoke to them, they use things within their life world. So uh, young moms will usually speak about, you know, things that relate to their world. And, and I had a friend who was a previous, in a previous life before we entered the ministry, he was a, an aircraft mechanic. And he always, God always spoke to him, you know, with some technical aspect of the wing or the, you know, the, he was, he was always yeah. getting using his, the furnishings of his mind. So I think when I learned that, that, that was a tremendous breakthrough for me, because if, as you said, the only way we're expecting God to speak is somehow audibly, I always thought that if God spoke to me, it was going to come down in 16 part harmony with, <laughs> I would feel massive goosebumps and I would know for absolutely sure um, but most of the time, his voice uh, sounds like an internal whisper. Yeah. That uh, it, it's not something from outside, but it's something from inside, which is consistent with Scripture because he has come to live in us. And so uh, the, the way most of the time the Holy Spirit speaks is through uh, from his spirit into our spirit. Corinthians 2 says, when anyone joins himself to the Lord, he becomes one with him in spirit. And uh, Corinthians 2 again says, you know, you don't know your own thoughts, but your spirit within you knows. And the same way nobody knows God's thoughts, but God's spirit knows. So this, this idea that thoughts emanate from our spirits up into our minds, that's a natural process that's going on all, all day, very, very naturally. And most every human being is, is extremely familiar with that process. Something comes from deep within you, it, a thought hits your head, you think on it, you act. Um, but now the Bible says this, you know, the spirit in you has, has found connection with the Holy Spirit. So, so his, his thoughts 
come from him into our spirit and they come into our minds exactly the same way as any other thought. So that was a, a, a real revelation to me that God's voice can sound like a quiet whisper inside of me. Um, and I, I had to start to learn to think about how do I recognize that that's the Holy Spirit? Because there's only really three sources. There's my own thoughts, there's the voice of God, and there's the voice of the enemy. And, uh, you know, so how do I recognize that? I, was that just me? Was that God? Was that devil? How do I know? Sure. Yeah, I think if it's an internal thought, we realize, well, maybe God's speaking a lot more than I thought he was. But then is that me or is that him? How do you differentiate? So I've, I've discovered this, that the nature of the person speaking will be revealed in the voice. In other words, uh, Jesus is called uh, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting father, you know, he, he's called some beautiful names, uh, uh, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Uh, and of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. Jesus is the ruler. He is the savior. He is the, the kind redeemer. So his voice sounds like that. His voice sounds redemptive. It sounds kind. It sounds good. It sounds full of love. The enemy is called the serpent, the father of lies, the, the, the evil one, uh, the accuser of the brethren. His voice sounds uh, full of accusation, full of condemnation, yeah. full of lies. Um, his voice wants to steal. Jesus said he steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal inheritance from you, steal courage from you, steal faith from you, steal peace from you. So any any time that the, the Holy Spirit is speaking, he's he's called the Counselor, the Comforter, uh, the Spirit of Grace, Spirit of Truth. He's going to be testifying truth and grace and counsel and comfort. His voice sounds like those. Um, so I think uh, for me, one of the best ways I have learned to differentiate between my thoughts and the thought that I think might be from God is typically. I'm thinking in a certain direction. There's a flow of thoughts that builds one upon the other. And then I'll have this thought that's completely, feels like it's out of left field. And it sort of jumps into the flow of the thoughts where I was thinking. And it's completely separate. It's a different thought. And if it's, if it's about blessing, helping, being kind, being loving, being gracious, being, uh, building peace, um, that's usually God interrupting my thoughts with, a, with his Holy Spirit just whispering something to my spirit, and it kind of jumps up into my mind and takes, uh, just rings a bell and says, hey, what about this? And so I've, I've had to learn to, to just pause the way I was thinking and just think on that a little. So, okay, that's an interesting thought. Let's just play with that a little. And uh, what I've discovered is that if I'll go with those thoughts and just so many times it's, it's a thought to pray for somebody or to call somebody and comfort them or to, you know, just encourage somebody or it's, it's usually always about good and, and peace and blessing and joy. And because that's the nature of the spirit of God, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Any thoughts that kind of intersperse my mind along that line, I'll, I'll go with them. 
And many, many times, like he'll say to me, pray or encourage this person or call this person. Um, when I do, it's remarkable to me how many times they said, I don't know how you knew, but I'm right in the middle of this situation. I desperately needed that. And so I think we can start to live an adventure. We start to live a, a much fuller, much more rich life if we'll start to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit's inner promptings. And, uh, you know, that's we're embarking on a journey of discovery here. Uh, we don't make massive life-altering decisions uh, based on one internal whisper. Uh, you know, if it's going to be a massive decision or it's, it's uh, going to change your life, you need to pray that through, think it through, measure it against scripture, you know, ask some spiritual leaders over you. What do they think? You know, open it up to the rest of the body of Christ, you know, get some friends who can counsel you. So I think there are, there are some safeguards around this that we need to build in. But basically the basic idea is uh, one of the things that the Lord loves to speak is just he loves to whisper in our spirits. And if you will learn to respond, if you'll learn to tune your ear to his whispers, you you begin to live an adventure in God that is amazing and astounding. Yeah. I, I think know, this, you know, go ahead. Well, I was just, I was thinking, you know, as we're talking about kind of the being under rules and regulations of Allah or being under grace and the beauty of that, it's not, I, I read these New Testament scriptures on obedience now, and I kind of use hearing as a synonym for obedience, you know, to obey the Lord is to hear and heed his Holy spirit. So if, if the spirit is whispering, Hey, be generous with, with this in this financial adventure, or be kind and generous with your time for this person who's hurting or in need, um, to hear and heed the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that is our obedience. It's so much bigger than this set of rules, everything about the law limited and diminished and, Everything about grace opens us up to possibilities and adventures, like you were saying. And I think, you know, we have to shift our expectation about how the Holy Spirit, how he sounds and what he's going to talk about and what he's going to invite us into. Because, you know, even when he corrects us, there is this, this element of restoration in his correction as opposed to condemnation and shame. Absolutely. So I think that's huge. It's huge. So we, when we feel a a response of shame from a thought, that's a great red flag that that wasn't God. It was the devil. Yeah. Yeah. But when there's this element of restoration of you were, you, in Christ, you are more than this, Jenny. You, this is not who you are. You're not acting like yourself right now. I'm restored to being all that I am in Christ. And I know that that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Yeah, I love that, Jenny. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what you've taught me, and, and it's, yeah, it's some time to to kind of tune in and realize that I can identify the voice based on the essentially the emotional response that it provokes in me. Because if the fruit of the spirit is peace and joy, then even in correction, even in unknown, even in new territory, the response that it will provoke in my emotions is joy and excitement and peace and trust, even though I don't know how it's all going to play out. Oh, absolutely. But when it provokes fear um, or anxiety, it's, that's a perversion. That's, that's gotta be the devil because God doesn't, he doesn't do that. That's not the working. That's not the fruit of the spirit moving in us. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I think the truth is that sin at any time is a foolishness. Sin is a bad, bad thing. Don't ever do that. The difference is under the old covenant, you had no power to stop sinning. 
but under a new covenant because Jesus has crucified the old me. I've been put to death, buried and raised with him and seated with him in heavenly places. I've been submerged into the body of Christ. I've been sealed in the body of Christ and I've been filled with his Holy Spirit who empowers me to walk in a brand new life. I've been given the nature of Jesus and um, now I'm, I'm called to walk with a brand new nature filled with his Holy Spirit and counseled and guided by his Holy Spirit. I'm called to walk in a new way. Uh, it, it, that's, it's not that sin is not possible for me. People still sin. It right. just means that it's a very poor representation of the truth of who I am in Christ. There's this amazing thing that keeps going on in the New Testament with Paul. He keeps writing to people who we would consider to be living very poorly. Uh, he writes to the Corinthians church and there's a, there's a man who's sleeping with his mother-in-law and people are uh, getting drunk at the communion meal and people are not looking after each other and they're backbiting and there's divisions among them. Mm. Um, it's, it's not, most of us would, would obviously recognize that a church that's in that state is not doing very well. And Paul writes to them and he addresses them as the holy ones who are in Christ. Wow. And, uh, you go, wow, Paul, are you, are you serious? And so he, he does the same thing in Ephesians 5 and he's writing to the Ephesians and there's backbiting and coarse jokes and there's some sexual immorality. And, and he says, you know, among you, there mustn't even be a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or of greed or, or any other kind of thing because these are improper for God's holy people. So Paul, even though the behavior is substandard, Paul never changes their definition. Wow. We're still right. God's holy people. And what you're doing now is improper for God's holy people. So stop it. You know, there shouldn't be any coarse joking. There shouldn't be an idolatry. There should just be no obscenity or foolish talk, but you should be full of thanksgiving because that's what's appropriate for who you are. Yeah. I, I find that the same thing. The Holy Spirit is constantly testifying to who we are in Christ. And the more he does and the more we believe him, the more we begin to walk into the reality of that beauty. Um, but many people say, well, you know, because they think we're saying it's okay to sin. No, it's never okay to sin. Sin is always foolish. It's always damaging. Don't do it. But for the first time in human history, uh, since Jesus came, mankind is, has the power in the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in a way that pleases God. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, we, we have to be clear on who Christ is and what he accomplished for us. And we have to be clear on who we are in Christ because there's no way to, as scripture say, boldly and confidently approach the throne of God if we're seeing ourselves outside of Christ. And so if in the context of, of this concept of how to hear from God, it, it is founded on right believing about the person and the accomplishment of Christ and our true identity in him. Um, yeah. We have to be clear on that. And so I appreciate just kind of you taking the time to walk us through that. So, yeah. you know, if we just yeah. want to get practical for a minute, what, yeah. what is a way, I mean, I can think of prayer, right? We sit and we pray, but yeah. sometimes some of our listeners and I felt like sometimes I'm praying to the ceiling and I don't feel like I hear God or I'm not feeling anything. Or I'm not seeing a picture or nothing's really happening. Is there a practical strategy that you can offer as we want to cultivate more of this experience of a conversation with the Lord? Yeah, I think that there are a couple of things that I've found that are great exercises for me that helped me, that have helped me and are still helping me to grow in my ability to recognize, hear and recognize and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay. Uh, so, so let me talk a, a few of those. Um, uh, for me, um, the the issue of journaling has been a, an extremely helpful thing because what I do when I journal is I will just uh, I, I used to take a pen and a piece of paper and and now for the last fifteen years I've typed it out on my computer. Um, because I type faster than I write, but I'll, I'll just sit down and say, um, uh, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Now, here's the thing about him. Because he's a person and because he's, he does not sulk, he's not morose, he do, he's, uh, he's, he's there. If I said to you, hey, Jenny, what's the time? You could look at your watch and say, this is the time. That answer would take one or two seconds. So when I've discovered, when I ask the Lord, he speaks directly back to me. There's this thing in Christian circles like it's going to take three weeks for him to answer. No, he'll answer immediately. So what I do is I sit at my computer. I usually type in the date, and then I will just say, Lord, would you speak to me? And I begin to type whatever thoughts come straight up into my mind. And it's usually there'll be a flow of thoughts, and I'll just start typing. Uh, One of the things that this does for me is it's training my brain not to try and take control of what's coming up out of my spirit. I need my brain to just listen for a while. So I just, I just let whatever comes up into my mind, uh, it's usually in the first person. He usually says, uh, I love you, and this is what I have for you today. This is what I'm going to do. I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, and he'll just talk to me about uh, various things. This morning when I did this, uh, I, I felt like he began to speak to me about sowing in prayer, that there were some places that I need to sow more prayer into. And so it provoked me in, in thinking about today and setting aside some more time to pray some more. So it's just a flow of thoughts that comes from my spirit up into my mind, and I just write until it seems like it's finished. Then I go back and I read it now with thinking it through and I measure it. It Does it measure up to the word of God? Does it sound like it's the nature of of Jesus? Um, And I measure what I've written now by the various safeguards that we put in place. But I've discovered that the more I'll do this, I'm beginning to train myself to allow what what is in my spirit to come into my mind and that there is a well-worn pathway for that. So I found that journaling as, as every day is a very, very helpful aspect. It trains my spirit, trains my mind to listen to what's going on in my spirit. See, when Paul was talking about spiritual gifts manifesting, he said, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And for those people who, who have been able to pray in tongues, and they will discover that's true. Your spirit can be praying, but it almost bypasses your brain. Your brain is sitting there going, I don't understand this. What's going on? I, I have no idea what my spirit's praying about. So uh, this, there is a reality that there, there can be some things in your spirit that your mind hasn't yet been able to grasp. And so this ability to, to let, let what is in your spirit come up into your mind, I find journaling really helps that. It's one of the most practical exercises I can think of. We've had a couple of stories. I had uh, was in Thailand teaching on this, and there was a lady in the meeting. She was very angry because she believed that God doesn't speak today, and she was very angry with me. And I said to the class afterwards, I said, I dare you to try this. We're going to try this right now. And she, she was angry, and she said to me afterwards, the only reason I tried it is because you dared us, and I never backed down from a dare. And <laughs> I started to journal 
and she heard the voice of God and she started to weep uncontrollably in, in the meeting. And she tried to tell me afterwards and she couldn't, she was weeping so much and she went and the next day she brought her husband. Um, and she, cause every time she started to tell me about how she'd heard God, she broke down in tears and her husband explained to me that she'd heard the voice of God. He'd spoken to her while she was busy journaling. Uh, we did this here. We, we were here in, in Atlanta where our churches and, we had a conference for uh, adoptive parents, and I, I asked them to do the same thing. And, they, and again, there was a couple, they're very, very skeptical. Um, and I asked, I asked everybody to just journal. And when you go home, just read one another's if you're, if you're a spouse. And they went out to dinner after the, the, that evening's meeting, and they were sitting there, and they said, well, just for fun, let's just see. And what was remar- they were both blown away because all, almost exactly the same thing uh, the Lord had spoken to them both about. And uh, almost ex- to the point where there were same phrases, same words, um, and they were blown away. So I've seen, th- I've seen this in-, in my own life many, many times. It sounds like it's just a very simple, uh, foolish thing almost, but I've discovered that the process, the habit of journaling uh, allows what the Holy Spirit's whispering in my spirit to come up into my mind. That's good. You know, I don't think it's silly or it's simple because, you know, for many of us, journaling has been us just, it's just, it's this, it's the same thing as us praying to the Lord. It's writing out our thoughts, our words to God. And there's, that's wonderful. That's absolutely part of the conversation. It's a two-way street. But what you're talking about is us being comfortable in the quiet and learning to receive, not just give praise, not just give prayer requests, but to receive words from God. And I think, you know, when we're unclear on the person of Christ and our identity, we're maybe we're scared what he's going to say. And so we just keep talking because we, the quiet and the unknown yeah. and not knowing what's going to come from God is sort of scary. But I think you've really helped debunk those lies for us and saying that like, there's nothing to fear. Like there's only good. There's only, there's only hope and joy and restoration and more that he's going to be speaking to us about. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's really freeing when, when there's quiet and you're like, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what he's going to say next, but I know it's going to be good. I think one of the things that if you, if you get into the habit of this a little while, after a while, you start asking questions. And so what I do is I put caps lock on and I ask my, I type my question out and then I take it off and I type the, the Lord's response. What's, what starts to become extremely fun is that you start a dialogue this way. And uh, one step further is suddenly when you start doing that, you you start journaling for other people. So, Lord, what about them? What you know? Do you have anything to say to them? And so, I, you know, that's the beginnings of a prophetic word that you'll find that the Lord starts to speak to other people. And so, yeah, quite a few occasions that I'll I'll do this many times when I'm traveling on a ministry trip and I'm going to be away for a long time. I typically will journal ahead of time for my wife. I'll write. I'll just say, Lord, what do you what do you have to say to her? And I'll leave her a letter every day with this is what I feel like the Lord is saying to you. Um, so th- th- there, there, there are ways that after a while you, you become uh, you're just more and more confident because, you know, I've seen so many times I've seen the Lord uh, speak, um, you know, the, the day before about something that's coming the next day. And I find that I'm walking into situations a little more equipped because I have something that I feel like the Lord whispered to me yesterday. So it's it's an extremely fun adventure, and it's the it's the it's the better life that Jesus. In, again, Jesus and John said, "You will continue continue to have an abundance and an overflow," and that's the whole point of what the Holy Spirit's trying to bring us to. 
Thank you, Greg. It's so true. We ache for that dialogue, that back and forth exchange. We ache for that. And that is possible. That's what Christ, he defeated the separation. He broke it down. He rent the veil. There, there is no separation where this is available to us. And I, I, it's so helpful to hear you explain that um, again, Greg. So thank you so much for joining us. And I would just encourage our listeners today, take a few minutes, take five minutes today and put on some instrumental worship music and, and just say, Lord, what do you want to say? And see, see what he says. Just write it out, type it out. Don't worry about the squirrel thoughts that come in there. Don't fear imperfection. Don't fear missing it. Don't fear distraction. Just say, God, I'm positioning myself. I want to hear from you. What do you have to say today? And just see what happens. And Greg, years ago, challenged us, just do this every day, just five minutes. It doesn't have to be this hour-long thing. Five minutes a day for two weeks and just see how it changes your your conversation with the Lord. And it transformed us for my me and my husband. This was transformational. So I would just encourage you in closing today to try that practice and, and see what the Lord has to say to you because I promise you it is good. And I promise you it is full of hope and full of adventure. So Greg, thank you so much. And to our listeners, have a wonderful day. Bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I'd love to close with this prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God, not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Have a great day.